Today we are in part four of a series called Twisted Theology. And in this series, what we're doing is we're exploring some of the ways that we tend to twist God's word. We tend to twist God's will for our lives and end up making it mean something that God never intended for us to do. God never intended for, for um, us to live in those certain ways. And we do that in a lot of different ways. We do that uh, when we don't understand what God says in scripture. Sometimes uh, we'll open the Bible, we'll read something, and we won't really understand what that means. And if we don't dig deeper, we'll come to a wrong conclusion about that. Other times we're taught something incorrectly. And if we're taught something incorrectly, then sometimes we can add our opinions to that and end up in a place that God never intended. There's all kinds of ways that we can twist theology. And so it's super important for us to not do that, to understand scripture and God's will accurately. So in this series, we've been exploring just some of the ways that we tend to twist theology. In week one, we looked at this twisted theology of tolerance. That's being pushed today all around the world as the solution for all of our conflicts. And we found in that message that God hasn't asked us to tolerate anybody. He's asked us to love everyone, and love is much harder. And God says, listen, the reason I want you to love people is because love leads to life. Tolerance leads to death. And then in week two, we looked at the twisted theology around judging people. And we talked about how all of us tend to misunderstand what Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, that we should not judge other people. And so we think, well, that means we have no right to speak in anybody's life and nobody has a right to speak into our lives either. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about not judging hypocritically. And so we explored that, got a better handle of what that means. And we learned that it means that as Christ followers, we actually have a responsibility to speak to other Christ followers when they're off track in their relationship with God. And other Christ followers have a responsibility to speak truth to us when we're off track in our relationship with God. Doesn't that sound like a lot of fun? But it's a responsibility that we have. Last week, we looked at the twisted theology when it comes to eternal life. Uh, there are many of us who think that, you know, all I have to do to gain eternal life is be a good person or get baptized. And we found out in last week's message, those aren't the things that gain us eternal life. The only thing that gains us eternal life is putting our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's the only way we gain eternal life. Now, should we follow that up by trying to live like Jesus? Absolutely. Should we follow that up by being baptized? Absolutely, we should. Those things don't open the door of eternity for us, but those things are great things to do after that door has been opened through salvation in Jesus Christ. So if you missed last week's message specifically, I encourage you to go to our website, go to our YouTube channel, go to our Facebook page, go to our iTunes account. You can listen to our messages there. And um, if you want to go back and listen to a message again, you can do that. But if you missed any of the messages in this series, but specifically last week, I highly recommend you listen to that one. Now, today we're going to explore a twisted theology that's been hurting the cause of Christ for a very long time. And I need to tell you that if you aren't a Christ follower today, I'm so glad that you're with us. I'm so glad you're watching online. Uh, but the reality is today's message is not primarily for you. 
So if you're not a Christ follower, thanks for being here. But there's a lot that you can benefit from in listening to this message, but it's not primarily directed to you. It's primarily directed to those of us who say that we are Christ followers. And so if you are a Christ follower, here's the exciting thing you need to know about today's message is there's a really good chance it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Isn't that great? Yeah, awesome. Love it. Now, here's what I love about that is that this past week, God has made me feel very uncomfortable with uh, what we're talking about today. And so I'm glad to have you join me in my discomfort. <laughs> so together, we will all be uncomfortable, okay? So um, before you check out or look for the quickest exit or, or turn your computer off, let me start by asking this. How many of you like to be, to be comfortable how many of you like being comfortable? Like most of us. Most of us love being comfortable. You know, for, for me to, today, I am comfortable in my uh, American flag t-shirt in honor of Memorial Day. I've got my comfortable jeans on. I've got some comfortable tennis shoes on. And I'm finding that as I grow older, comfort is becoming more and more important to me. Anybody find that as you get older? And here's what I'm noticing as I get, as I get older. Comfort and style are changing places. <laughs> so like, if it's stylish but not comfortable, uh-uh. I'm not, I'm not buying it. I'm not wearing it. I'm not keeping it. Uh, I want something that's comfortable. And uh, it's interesting, as that shift happens in our lives, um, that wasn't always the case for me. There have been many seasons of my life that you know, style was important, and I, I wanted to be a stylish person, especially stuff that I wore. And uh, to give you an example of that, I'll take you all the way back to middle school. Okay, so for me in middle school, um, I found a pair of shoes that were these shoes. They were like the shoes everybody was wearing, my friends were wearing, they were popular, they were great. I found them, but the only problem was they were too small. So instead of waiting to find shoes that actually fit, my mom said, how do those work? And I said, great. These shoes are awesome. We got them. I crammed my growing feet into them and walked around like a penguin for a few weeks until I couldn't wear them anymore. But why did I do that? Because they were so cool. Now, again, as I'm growing older, I'm not wearing it if it's not comfortable. I'm not keeping it. I'm not wearing it. And comfort is becoming such a big deal to me. One day, don't be surprised if I show up and I'm teaching in my pajamas. Okay? If that happens, you know I crossed the line. I got a little too comfortable with what's happening. But the reality is we all like to be comfortable. We like to wear comfortable clothes. We like to sit on comfortable seats. I'm waiting. <laughs> Don't we like to sit in uncomfortable seats? Don't you, like, doesn't that make you want to think about the wonderful seats we'll have when we build our new building? Like, that'll be exciting. But until then, the seats that you're sitting on are actually a, a, a prop in the message, okay? So as it's uncomfortable, just remember this message is going to make you feel uncomfortable. So we like to be comfortable. Comfort is a big deal to us today. But sometimes being comfortable is a bad thing. Sometimes being too comfortable keeps us stuck in life, keeps us from growing in ways that God wants to grow us. It keeps us from learning new things. And sometimes we take our passion for comfort to an extreme in our relationship with God. There are times where I do this. There are times that many of us do this 
where we kind of follow what we think are the rules of Christianity. We go to church, we read our Bible, we pray, we give, we serve, we do all these things. And we think that in exchange, God should make our lives comfortable. God should give us the big promotion. God should fix our marriage. God should fix our kids. God should bless us with an amazing retirement account. Like God should make our lives comfortable. And when God doesn't do that, we think something's wrong. Specifically, something's wrong with him. We've done our part. He hasn't done his part. And that twisted theology is hurting us. And it's hurting the cause of Christ. So I have a quiz I would like to offer you today. And it's based on three questions I would like you to process through as we walk through this today. And I I highly recommend you write these down and you chew on them all week long. Maybe you have a conversation with somebody at lunch today. Maybe you talk with a family member. You you talk with a friend about it. Maybe later this week you revisit this message and you ask these questions again. Because I think the answers to these questions can tell whether we are stuck in comfortable Christianity or not. So question number one is this. As a Christian, are you more concerned with comfort or character? Are you more concerned with comfort or character in your relationship with God? And, you know, when I think about my life, I think so much of the time, I'm concerned about comfort. I, I want things to be comfortable in my relationship with God. Uh, I want God to make spiritual growth easy. I want God to make me into a spiritual giant with the least amount of work necessary on my part. I I don't want him to to stretch me. I don't want him to challenge me. I don't want him to make following Jesus difficult for me. But if you were with us several weeks ago, when we were in our Take Up series, we were exploring what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. So listen to that again. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Wow, that's hard because I love my way. He says, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross. I don't want to do that. And then he says, daily. Oh, man, I don't mind doing that once or twice, but daily, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. That's some heavy stuff right there. And here's a heavy truth related to what Jesus says there. God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. God is more concerned with our character than our comfort because comfortable Christians don't do much for the cause of Christ. We're too comfortable. But Christians who are full of godly character do a lot for the cause of Christ. So what that means for us is God will take us through whatever will grow our character, even if it is at the expense of our comfort. He will orchestrate Situations, he will allow things to happen that are challenging, that are hard to deal with because he wants to grow our character. So some of you uh, right now might be going through something very difficult. 
something very painful. And you might be asking God, God, why are you doing this? Like, I, like I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to do on my part of our relationship. Why are you allowing this painful thing to happen? And there's a really good chance the answer is God's interested in growing your character. He's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. Because when you're full of godly character, you will do much for the cause of Christ. And he is using that painful situation to refine you. But will you allow him to refine you? Will you see things the way that God sees things? Will you stay in that spot and let God work and not jump out because you're more interested in being comfortable? So are you more concerned with comfort or character? Second question, are you more concerned with happiness or holiness? Are you pursuing happiness or holiness in your life? And this might sound strange, but God cares more about our holiness than our happiness. And it's not that God doesn't care about our happiness. That, that's it's a, a, a twisted theology that sometimes people develop, that God's just the killjoy up in heaven. He doesn't like anybody having fun. That's not the point. The reason God cares about holiness is because it leads to eternal happiness. It really does when we allow God to refine us so that we become holy people, the holy people he's chosen, the holy people that he loves. And listen to what the Apostle Peter says about holiness in 1 Peter 1. Verse 13 says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now, the word holy and the word holiness uh, basically means to be set apart by God and for God, to be set apart, kind of like to stand out. It does not mean that those of us who are desiring to be holy in our lives are so holy that we just can't be around other people. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean we have to go live in some monastery somewhere. Jesus was holy, and what did he do? He stepped into our mess to be an example to us. So our holiness means our lives should look different. Our lives should look different than, than the people of the world who aren't following our Savior. We should work different, love different, forgive different, resolve conflict differently. Everything we do as followers of Jesus should be different because we've been set apart by God to be an example and to follow the example of Jesus. Then listen to what the Apostle Paul says about holiness in Colossians 3. Verse 12, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All those things are a byproduct of allowing God to refine us as holy people. And I, I want to look at a few of these these uh, words again. As we look through these, evaluate your life. If you're a Christ follower, is your heart filled with tender-hearted mercy? Are you tender-hearted toward people who don't believe the same stuff that you believe? 
Are you kind? Are you a kind person? Would people say, man, that's a really kind person that I work with there. Sits across the cubicle or across the hall or my neighbor. Like, they're really kind people. Or are you humble? Are you kind of arrogant? Are you gentle? Are you patient? These are byproducts of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives when we allow him to refine us as his holy people. And I'll be honest, when I look at that list, this past week I was looking at this list and thinking, man, I have some work to do. Because in my life, I would many times, I'd rather pursue happiness over holiness. Happiness is a whole lot more fun. Pursuing that is a whole lot more fun. And when I pursue happiness, I'm not merciful. I'm not real kind. I don't, I'm not real humble either at times. I'm not gentle. I can be kind of demanding. I can be anything but, imp, but patient. I can be very impatient. I can basically be a jerk. And uh, if you're curious to know more about that, talk to my wife. I think I see her in the audience out here. She can you know, reference that. Um, when we pursue holiness... We find true happiness because of what God is doing in us. Again, because we're the example following Jesus and what he's doing in our life. So do you care more about happiness or holiness? Question number three, put your seatbelts on. Are you a spiritual consumer or a spiritual contributor? Do you focus more on consuming resources that God offers or giving those resources away? I think we all know that we live in a consumer-based world right now, and we consume products and resources that work for us. We gobble up everything that makes our lives more comfortable, and we avoid things that, that we don't like or we think are inconvenient or too much work. They're just too hard to engage. We avoid those things. But Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 28, for even the Son of Man, referring to himself, came not to be served, but to serve others. And on top of that, he didn't just come to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. So for those of us who are Christ followers, we should consume God's resources with the primary purpose of sharing those resources with other people. When we come to church, it's not just for us. Like we come to learn so we can help somebody else learn. When we read the Bible, it's not just for us. We read so that we can be transformed and then we gotta go tell somebody else how they can be transformed by that same truth. Everything we do as followers of Jesus should be done with the primary purpose of helping someone else who hasn't met Jesus yet or who is growing in new faith in Jesus. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about that to a church in Revelation. So this church is known as the church of Laodicea. And in Revelation, Jesus spoke to the apostle John. He actually spoke to to seven different churches. He had messages for John to give to seven different churches. This is the last church in Revelation chapter three that Jesus had a message for. And in verse 15, Jesus said this to that church. He said, I know the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. 
I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Now, the interesting thing about the the church of Laodicea is that they were filled with spiritual consumers. They had benefited from the teachings of Jesus, but they were not allowing those teachings to really impact their lives deeply. It it was like this. It's like they were saying, you know what, Jesus, we need you for eternity. We don't know that we need you for today. Like, we got it. We got all the resources that we need financially. They lived in a very wealthy part of the world. They lived at the crossroads of much of the trade that happened there. They had influence. They had affluence. They had everything they needed. And they, again, basically said, like, we need you so much, God, but we don't need you all the time, just occasionally. And when I was thinking about that in the context of us, I I was thinking, man, that sounds a whole lot like the American church. Sounds a whole lot like us as American Christians. We've had so much affluence, we've had so much influence, but we've grown too comfortable. We've grown very comfortable with consuming more resources. How will that work for me? Will that benefit my life? Will that make me happier? Will that make me comfortable? And we've forgotten that our primary mission is to share those resources with people around us who desperately need those resources. And so Jesus has some harsh language for that twisted theology. He says in verse 15, I know the things that you do that you are neither hot nor cold and I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now I used to think that what Jesus meant there was that he meant, I wish you were either for me or against me, and then I would know where we stand. But that's not what Jesus was saying. There are actually two cities that were very close to Laodicea. There was the city of Colossae and the city of Heropolis. Okay? And at Heropolis, um, it was unfortunate, but they would not allow any bald people in. <laughs> so you, okay, you still awake? You tracking? You good? Heropolis, so yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I get it, okay, okay, thank you. Glad you're still with me. So Colossae and Heropolis. So Colossae got their water from mountain snowmelt, and that water was cold and refreshing. And then Heropolis had these hot springs that were very popular because of their healing properties. And so Jesus is basically saying, I wish you were like the water from Colossae like cold and refreshing. Or I wish you were like the water from Heropolis, uh, hot and healing. But you're not like that. You're lukewarm. You're like the water that you drink in your city. So Laodicea did not live by a pure water source, and so they had their water piped in. And by the time their water got there, guess what? It wasn't 
cool anymore. It wasn't hot anymore. It was just lukewarm. And it actually had a lot of minerals in it. So what I understand, it smelled bad and it tasted bad. And they'd grown comfortable with that. They'd grown comfortable with just being lukewarm. And Jesus says, I don't want you to be lukewarm. And when I think about that in the context of me, sometimes I think about it for us. Sometimes we are lukewarm. Sometimes we're not cool and refreshing for people who are outside of our faith. Sometimes we're not hot and healing for people who have been wounded. Sometimes we're just lukewarm in our relationship with God, kind of like indifferent, like, like, yeah, I got a relationship with God. Is it transforming your life? Yeah, not really. I got the golden ticket for eternity. I put my faith in Jesus. That's all I need. So I'm like going to live any way I want. I'm pursuing happiness. I'm pursuing comfort. And Jesus says, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I want you hot or cold, refreshing or healing. Don't be lukewarm. I think God hates it when we're lukewarm. And so he offers us a solution and listen to the solution he offers because he puts it in the context of economic advice. He says in verse 18, so I advise you to buy gold for me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments for me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. The three things that Jesus tells us to buy from him are gold, white garments, and eye ointment. The gold represents uh, the gold that God offers is refinement through God's fires. It represents our character being refined. Back to that. We're back to, are we going to pursue comfort or are we going to pursue character? And Jesus says, listen, if you will let me refine your character, your life will actually, actually produce things like gold, silver, and precious stones. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 says, when we do things for God, for the cause of Christ, that refine us to become more like Jesus and refine our character, we produce those things, gold, silver, precious stones. When we pursue things that are about us, that are about our comfort, that are about our happiness, those things become like wood, hay, and stubble. All of that will go through God's refining fire, and only that which was done for Christ will last. So Jesus says, buy gold for me. My gold will refine you, will refine your character, and it will last forever. The white garments represent when we live in ways that honor God. We can call that holiness. We can call that righteousness. And those things don't mean perfection. Jesus is the only one who could live a perfect life. We're not perfect people. But when we mess up, guess what? We make it right. We work hard to fix those things as quickly as possible. Why? Because we're following the example of Jesus. We want to be an example to others around us. And we can do that by how we live, by being tenderhearted, by being merciful, being kind, being gentle, being loving to people around us. And then the eye ointment represents spiritual sight. The interesting thing about... Uh, Jesus, including eye ointment in that statement to the church at Laodicea, is they were used to buying eye ointment there. Actually, eye ointment was made in Laodicea that was sold all around the world. And so Jesus says, listen, my eye ointment is way better than yours. My eye ointment will help you see from a 
eternal perspective. It'll help you see your resources the way I see your resources. It will help you see people the way that I see people. And you will care about people the way that I care about people because you will see them the right way. So we all need to let God refine our character. We all need to live in ways that honor God and we all need to learn to see the world the way that God does. And I think the reason those things are so important is right now our world is falling apart. And as our world is falling apart, our world does not need more Christians sitting at a distance pursuing comfort and happiness over character and holiness. Our world does not need a group of Christians who are indifferent, who are like, yeah, I don't really care. If, if you end up going to hell, eh, you voted incorrectly. You chose the wrong whatever. Uh, you, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. We should not be indifferent to our world. I think that's why Jesus said in verse 19, be diligent and turn from your indifference. Care about people around you. So Jesus is calling us to step out of our comfort zones. And I don't know what comfort zone you need to step out of, but I'm sure there's one. I have some I need to step out of. So have you grown so comfortable in your relationship with God that you're not sharing your faith with other people? Like there may be somebody at work or somebody in your neighborhood or maybe somebody at school who God has placed you there and, and what they need to hear from you is how they can enter a relationship with Jesus and you've grown so comfortable like you're not gonna do that or you're not doing that? Maybe there's an issue in your life that you don't want God to refine. Maybe you've given God like 80% of who you are. And there's like 20% you're holding back because there's just something in your life you don't want to be refined on. And maybe that's what God is saying. It's time for you to step out of your comfort zone. It's time for you to let me refine you in that area. Or, or maybe it's this issue of being a spiritual consumer. Maybe you, you've gotten so comfortable you think like, I don't really have anything to offer. I don't know what I could do to help at church or, or help my neighbors. Like, I'm not sure what, what I could do to help anybody in a spiritual context. And I think Jesus is saying today, it's time to step out of your comfort zone. It's time to be used in significant ways. So what comfort zone is God asking you to step out of? In uh, verse 20, Jesus kind of wraps up his message to the church of Laodicea. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. The primary group, again, that Jesus was speaking to were Christ followers in this church. So he was speaking to the church at Laodicea and he's speaking to us. I think there's a secondary group as well, and those are people who are not Christ followers. So we're going to talk directly to those who are Christ followers first, and then we'll talk to those of you who may not be Christ followers yet. But again, I think what Jesus is saying is it's time. It's time to step out of your comfort zone. It's time to pursue character over comfort. It's time to pursue holiness over happiness. It's time to be a spiritual contributor not just a consumer. And Jesus is standing at the door of your heart right now. Again, according to this verse, like he was saying to that church and to us, he was standing at the door of our hearts and he's knocking. And he's asking for us to open the door. 
And again, Jesus, he doesn't want 50% of you. He doesn't want 80% of you. 90% is not enough. Jesus wants 100% of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants all of who you are so he can use you for his purposes around the world to help people meet Jesus. Will you open that door? Will you open that door and let him in? Will you give him complete control of your life? Our worship team is going to close us in a new song for us today. And uh, that song is called Refiner. And uh, I stumbled on this song about a year ago. And I would be surprised if I go two weeks without listening to this song. Uh, Often I'll just put this song in my office on and I'll just listen to it over and over again while I'm working. And I have a love-hate relationship with this song. Um, So listen to some of the the lines of this song. A couple of lines go like this. If the altar is where you need us, take me there. If what you need is just an offering, it's right here. My life is here. I'll be a living sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire. I want to be purified. So take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. And honestly, as I listen to that song, as I'm sitting in my office, uh, I'll sing that, that verse, I want to be tried by fire. I want to be purified. And then the next thing I say out loud often in my office is, no, I don't. Like, God, I'm worshiping you. I want to be tried by fire. I want to be purified. I want to be consumed. I want to follow you with full passion. And then I say, no, I don't. I do not want to be tried by God's refining fires. Why? Because it's painful. I want comfort. I want happiness. Those things are easier. That's what I want. And then I realize those things don't lead to anything that lasts forever. Those things won't help my friends who don't know Jesus live forever with me and the God who died so that that they could know his love for them. So then I come back and I say, I really do want to be refined. I really do want to be purified. I really do want to be consumed in my relationship with God. So what I hope this morning is as you're singing, you may have your own struggle of I want to be purified. No, I don't. But yes, I do. And I hope this song will be used by God this morning and maybe even beyond this morning in your life for you to evaluate whether you're a comfortable Christian or not. If you aren't a Christ follower, I really think Jesus is speaking to you today. And I think in the context of what we've already mentioned, he's standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking The cool thing about Jesus is he's such a gentleman, he'll never kick the door of your heart open. He stands and he knocks. Get get it, the creator of the universe who could make you do anything he wants at any moment stands and knocks at your life and he waits. If you won't open the door, he won't step in. But if you will open the door, he'll step in and, and Jesus says he'll step in as a friend And that was a radical thought back in Jesus' day. People listening to Jesus, uh, or the message through John back then, they weren't thinking that God was a, a very personal God. They were thinking he was this distant God to be feared. But Jesus says, listen, I've come to be your friend. I'm gonna step into your life and I'm gonna do for you what I'm asking you to do for other people. So again, this morning, I think Jesus 
is standing at the door of your heart if you've never put your faith and trust in him. And the question is, will you open the door? Will you let him in? We had three people last week that opened the door in our services. We had two people in the first service today that said, yes, I'm gonna open the door. I'm gonna let you in. So if you're in that spot and you'd like to make that decision today, I'm gonna guide you in how we do that. And I'm gonna talk to two different groups of people as we pray today. So if you would, let's just all pray together. As we begin praying, um, I'm curious to know if uh, there's anybody here as a Christ follower who would say, you know what, I've, I've been more focused on my comfort, I've been more focused on my happiness than my character, than my holiness. So if that's you this morning, would you slip your hand up real quick? Just let me see that so I can pray for you. All right, hands all over. Thank you for the courage to raise your hand and acknowledge that. And so God, we pray for all of us. Lord, that's a condition we all can have at one point or another in our lives. Lord, comfort is easy. Happiness is easier than holiness. And yet, God, you're not okay with either of those things in our lives. You say those two things lead to us being lukewarm. You want us hot or cold, refreshing or healing. And so, Lord, we confess that to you this morning. And we ask for you to refine us. And God, as I, I just said a few moments ago, there's moments I want that and moments I don't want that because I know it's challenging. But ultimately, I do want that. And ultimately, I think most of us do want that in our lives. So, Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. We give you complete control. We ask you to refine us to make us more like Jesus. As we continue to pray, I'm curious to know if there's anybody here who would say, you know what, I, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and today I'm understanding maybe again, maybe for the first time, what Jesus really did for me and what he offers me. He offers me a relationship, a personal relationship. And so if you're in that spot, what I encourage you to do during this song, I encourage you to just... Tell God you need him. Tell him you need him. Symbolically, go to the door of your heart and open it. Tell God you believe that he's the savior of the world who died so you can live and then invite him into your life. He will step into your life. He'll be personal for you. He'll guide you every day. And he'll teach you how to live for eternity. So if you need to make that decision this morning, I encourage you to have that prayer, have that conversation with God during our song. If you need to follow that up with a conversation after the service, I'll be in the, the, our lobby. I would love to talk to anybody today who wants to have a, a follow-up conversation. So God, we're grateful again for the truth that you've provided to us today. And Lord, um, we hear your challenge. We hear you asking us to step out of our comfort zones. May we all do that whether that's in a relationship with you or that's stepping out to share our faith with other people or that's looking for opportunities to share the resources we have with somebody in need. Lord, we have many opportunities to, to do this. We have many opportunities to stop being comfortable Christians and being godly Christians full of character and holiness with a passion and purpose for Jesus. 
Teach us how to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name.